1: Don't you see the blessing came because the Egyptian put Joseph in charge? And Joseph is a picture of Jesus. And today, I don't care if you live in a little house or a big house or a middle-sized house or a mansion, if you would put Jesus in charge of everything you own, I'm convinced that every square inch of your house would be blessed if you'd only put Jesus in charge. I'm convinced of it.
0: And we join him right now with today's message. Take your
1: Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. As we begin, I want to ask a couple of questions. Have you ever been hurt by someone you love? Have you ever been falsely accused? Have you ever been unjustly punished? Have you ever done your very, very best only to feel like you're not getting anywhere? Have you ever felt like you keep doing the right thing but somehow you keep finding yourself being treated poorly by those around you? Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever been tempted to take revenge? Have you ever felt forsaken? If any of those questions resonate with you, then this story is for you. Chapter 37 is Act 1. Each act has five scenes. We begin with a 17-year-old boy named Joseph. Jacob, his dad, is the grandson of Abraham. Abraham, You have Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Jacob, God eventually turned his name to Israel. Jacob had the 12 sons. The youngest or next to youngest was Joseph. Verse 3, for some reason, Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. Now, how many of you know the youngest child is always the spoiled one? Raise your hand if you know that. How how many of you are the youngest of your siblings? Uh, See, you're who I'm talking about. The end of verse 3, it says that Jacob, the dad, made Joseph a richly ornamented robe for him. Seen one, write this down as one colorful coat. We call this the coat of many colors. No wonder, look at verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. And does the Bible say could not or would not? That's two different things. Does it say they would not say something or does it say could not? What does it say? It says they could not speak a kind word about him. Now it's one thing to have a little family feud with a couple of your siblings that you don't get along. We all have a sibling we don't get along with. But imagine having 11 brothers and none of them. Not one is even capable of saying a nice word to you. So scene one is one colorful coat. Scene number two, write this down, two dreams. Verse five says that Joseph had a dream. Everybody say dream. And then he made the mistake of telling it to his brothers. And it says they hated him all the more. And we'll read through this. Verse six, he said to them, hey, hey, guy, hey, brothers, listen to this dream I had. And they don't like him to begin with. Now he starts talking about these dreams. We, 12 of us, we were out binding sheaves of grain out in the field for dad. When suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. While all of your sheaves gathered around mine and just simply bowed down to it. And I bet that went over well. So his brothers in verse 8 said to him... To, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And the Bible says they hated him. I mean, a lot of hate going on here. They hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. But, hey, there's a second dream, verse 9. Hey, he says, I have another dream. He said, this time it was the sun and the moon. And there were some stars. Let me count them. Oh, yeah, let me see. There are 11 of them. And they're all bound down to me. And I have a picture of what that might have looked like. Just Joseph, he got his his coat on in many colors. He got the sheaves bound down. You got the stars, the sun, the moon. Now look at verse 10. When he told his father, Jacob, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you have? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down on the ground before you? Now, you need to remember at the time of this that Jacob was the big dog on the block. Now, I have three lessons. You've got to learn these. Lesson number one, Joseph is symbolic of Jesus. Now, you're going to see it today over and over again. But you cannot go through the life of Joseph without seeing the parallel between joseph and jesus and what did jesus what the bible say about jesus one day it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord joseph is symbolic of jesus now the last line of verse 11 says that his brothers were jealous of him and this scene number three 11 jealous brothers now the brothers are out tending the flocks because they're older And they're in an area that's called Shechem. Jacob, he's got little Joe at home. In verse 14, he says, hey, Joe, I want you to go check up on your brothers over there in Shechem. They're out there tending the flock. So Joe is going to go find out how the brothers are doing. And he's going to come back and report it to his dad. But look at verse 18. The Bible says, when they, the brothers, saw Joseph in the distance... Before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Uh, verse 19, they said, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Verse 20, it's important, they were going to actually kill him. And throw him down in the cistern, which is a well. And then just make up a story, because he's got to go tell dad something. We'll tell him that a ferocious uh, animal devoured him, and then we'll see what comes of his dream. Verse 23, they saw Joseph, and Joseph came to his brothers. They stripped him of his robe, that richly ornamented robe that he was wearing. Look at verse 24, and they threw him into the cistern. And the Bible says it was empty. There was no water in the well. Now, everybody stop for just a moment. I want you to put yourself in Joseph's place. I wonder what Joseph was thinking. He's in a well in the middle of a desert and left. For dead his brothers are mad he got no water he thinks he's gonna die this is the end this is the end of joseph it's over the story ends lesson number two write this down god always has a plan god always has a plan whatever you're going through and right now hear me out there's a lot of people in this room you're going through a very difficult time in your life and i want you to know no matter how bad it gets in your life you need to remember lesson number two that god has a plan the bible says in isaiah 55:9, as the heavens are higher than the earth so are god's ways higher than ours sometimes we find ourselves in deep deep trouble and yet that's that's where god's plan begins to work the greatest illustration of that of course is jesus they 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 nailed jesus to a cross they plotted to kill him and actually did kill him and they took him off the cross and they put him not in the bottom of a well but kind of they put him in a tomb and they rolled the stone and everyone's thinking well that's the end of jesus No more Jesus. We got rid of Jesus. (laughs) Life is good. He's gone. Oh, no. God has a plan. Can someone say amen? Amen. We have one colorful coat. We have two dreams. We have 11 jealous brothers. Write this down. We've got 20 shekels of silver. What? 20 shekels of silver. Joseph is down in the bottom of the well. Verse 25, his brothers are sitting over there eating pizza. And they look up, and they see some camels. Why, it's a whole caravan of camels. It's the Midianites, the Ishmaelites, and they're coming from Gilead. And the Bible says that the camels are loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh. Now, what does that remind me of, camels carrying spices, myrrh? Let me think. Oh, yeah? Yeah? When Jesus was born, you remember? The wise men came on the caravans from the east. They too carried spices. And then look at this, verse 26. Judah says, hey, why don't we sell him? And so, verse 28 says, so that when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers, they pulled Joseph out of the cistern and they actually sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to everybody say Egypt, Egypt. the last scene scene 5 is a the dramatic scene of one heartbroken father verse 31 they got Joseph's robe and they slaughtered a goat and they dipped the robe in the blood And they took the ornamented robe back to their father. Now, it doesn't look like this now. Now, it's covered in blood. And they take it back to their dad, and they said, Dad, we found this. Can you examine it to see, is this the robe? Is this the robe that you gave to little Joe? Verse 33. He recognized it. And he said, it is, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Verse 34, Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and mourned for his son for many days. And all, verse 35, all his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said in the morning will I go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Don't forget God always has a plan. Amen. amen meanwhile the midianites sold joseph in egypt to potiphar everyone say potiphar, potiphar. one of pharaoh who's pharaoh pharaoh's the guy who's in charge of all of egypt now joseph is sold in egypt to potiphar one of pharaoh's officials the captain of the guard turn your outline over now we go to chapter 39 this is act two scene one joseph's put in charge so look at verse five if you would Verse 5, it says, From the time that Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian. Wait wait a minute. God blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The rest of verse 5 says that the blessing of the Lord was on everything that potiphar had both in the house and outside the house why did god bless the household of the egyptian man named potiphar because potiphar had put joseph in charge of everything don't you see the blessing came because the egyptian put joseph in charge and Joseph is a picture of Jesus. And today, I don't care if you live in a little house or a big house or a middle-sized house or a mansion. If you would put Jesus in charge of everything you own, I'm convinced that every square inch of your house would be blessed if you'd only put Jesus in charge. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> Scene number two, we have a wife gone wild. The Bible says, at the end of verse 6, that Joseph was well built and handsome. (laughs) Now look at verse 7. After a while his master's wife, that's Potiphar's wife, took notice, took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. That is in your face temptation is what that is. But look at verse 8. The Bible says, but he he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in this house. In fact, everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. Verse 9, no one is greater in this house than I. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Ladies and gentlemen, anytime you sin, you need to understand you are sinning against a holy God. And verse 10 says, and though she spoke to Joseph, watch this, day day after day. Some of you think that if you say no to temptation, that the devil's just going to go away. No, you say no, he's going to come back tomorrow and tempt you again. You say no, he's going to tempt you again day after day after day after day you can say no a thousand times the devil's never going to stop tempting you he's going to keep tempting you no matter who you are in fact look at joseph it says although she spoke to joseph day after day he refused to go to bed with her or even be near her because he understood if he was around her he was putting himself in a bad situation and some of you keep putting yourself in a bad situation where you are tempted and you need to be like joseph and not even put yourself in that situation and if you, if you look, if you look uh, at that verse where it says that he, refu- he refused, even though day after day after day, who does that remind you of the only person who refused to sin? Jesus. Scene number three, he's falsely accused. I believe Jesus was falsely accused. Don't you? Jesus was falsely accused. He never did anything wrong, yet he was accused. One day, verse 11, Joseph goes into the house to attend his duties because he is in charge. He's got to go in there sometime. It says that none of the other servants was there. It was just him and Mrs. Bonifer. Can you say, "Uh uh-oh. Verse 12, she caught him by the cloak. She's really coming on strong with these advances and says, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand, and the Bible says that he ran, he ran out of the house. I want you to write this text down. First Corinthians six eighteen. You can look it up later. It says, Flee from sexual immorality. First Corinthians six eighteen. You know what the word flee means? It means to run. Not tiptoe away, looking backwards. It is run. Verse 13, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and that he had run out of the house. Verse 14, she called her household servants together and she goes, Look, this Hebrew has been brought to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. Verse 15, when he heard his he scream for help, he left his cloak beside her. He ran out of the house. You got that part right. Verse 16, she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Verse 17, then she told him this story. Ah, Hebrew slave, you brought us, came here to make sport of me. I don't know what sport she's talking about. <laughs> what kind of sport is that? Verse 18 As soon as I screamed for help, he left this cloak beside me and he he ran out of the house. Which leads us to scene four, he's unjustly imprisoned. When Potiphar came home, she told him that story that, that you just read. She just made that story up and he burned with anger. And verse 20 says that Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And all I want you to know, that it's possible for you to do the right thing and still get yourself into trouble. See number five, quickly, Joseph is blessed in his mess. He's blessed in his mess. Because it says, while Joseph was in prison. Everybody say the word, "while." while. While he's in prison, unjustly accused, unjustly being punished. Verse 21, the Lord was, where, where was, where's the Lord? Where's the Lord? With him. You see, the Lord was with him when when he was in the well, when his brothers threw him down that well. The Lord was with him when he was sold into slavery to the Midianites, the Ishmaelites. The Lord was with him when he was sold to Pharaoh. The Lord was with him when he was falsely accused, and now he's thrown into prison. The Lord is still with him. Look at verse 21. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Verse 22. So the warden put Joseph in charge. I don't know. This is unbelievable. The warden put Joseph in charge of all those in the prison. He's got Joseph in charge of the other prisoners. What's he doing? I don't know. Maybe he's teaching them how to run from sexual immorality. I don't know what he's doing. (laughs) Verse 23, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And if you'll put Jesus in charge of your life, you absolutely have nothing to worry about if you let Jesus be in charge of things. As we close, write this down, you need to learn how to praise God in a hallway before he opens up a door. Some of you are in a mess right now. You're out in the hallway, you're looking for somewhere to go, and every door is shut. This door shut, this is shut, it is shut, it is shut. It takes belief, belief, faith in God that God is working behind the scenes that God is with you when you are out in the cold you got nowhere to go and you keep waiting for a door to open the doors are all shut in faith you need to believe that God is still in control that God's going to take care of you the Bible says that the righteous have never been forsaken no matter who you are God's going to take he might not give you everything you want but he's going to give you everything you need he will provide he will take care of you he can take care of a little sparrow he can take care of you all right there's not just a couple sparrows out there there's millions of those little babies flying around god can take care of you he's got the hairs on your head number he knows every day of your life has been foreordained so so just know that before god opens the door in faith you you need to know that god is in control yes The doors are all closed, but you ought to be praising God for what He's about to do and what He's going to do, because God, God is going to provide and take care of you. You can be blessed even in your mess.
0: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Broken-hearted, anxious, or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus Ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number 888 818 4777. That number again is 888 818 4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. Hello friends, my name is Dusty Frizzell, and I want to invite you to our new Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right, we're adding a fourth service starting May 5th. Worship service starts at 7 p.m., and it's for all ages, but we're going to have food trucks before the service. In the first few weeks, the food is going to be free. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends, and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends, and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays starting May 5th at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. All information on dates, service times, and locations can be found on our website, shepherdchurch.com.